Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. So Facebook's technical difficulties appear to be fixed. Let's go through our episode breakdown again. Now we're going to be talking a little bit on uh, an extrapolation on what we had talked about last week, which is talking about mental performance. And so what we're going to be talking about specifically today is kind of self-perception, self-talk, and then self-limiting beliefs. And so these are really common ones. We have a lot to talk about today, so we're going to get right into it. But remember why we're talking about these. These are the habits that we want to be working on every Every day, these are the things that we need to be doing to start becoming a high performer. And when we talk about becoming a high performer, being a high performer, that's somebody who's aspiring to be the best version of themselves. So the sharpest mentally, the sharpest physically, the healthiest version, the kindest version, the nicest version, the you know the the least depressive, like all of these other things. So uh, that's what we're talking about. We come talk about becoming a high performer or becoming a high performing version of yourself. And that's what we're trying to do at Friendship. That is our mission. So that is what we're going to work on today. So positive self-talk, self-limiting beliefs. All right. Now, why do we want to talk about, uh, you know, self-talk? Why is this important? And the biggest reason why, and I always use this analogy, is when we have kids come in and kids start in the facility, they will start and they will have a a sort of mindset of, I can do this. I believe that I can do this until I'm proven wrong. And they will try and they will try and you'll tell them like, Hey, I want you to try to jump on the jump up on the bar and let's see if you can do a pull up. Let's see if you can do a push up. Let's see if you can do these things. And they jump up and they try. And if they can't, they're actually kind of surprised that they can't do it. It's like weird to them. They're like, why can't I do this? I'm, I'm confused because in their head, they don't have the negativity that we sort of build over time or the self-defeating beliefs. Vice versa with adults, what we've seen over the last few years, a lot of people will come in and they will have the mentality of, oh, I can't do that. I, had, I just, there's no way I can do a pull up. There's no way I can do a push up. I can't do, I suck at push ups. I'm terrible. Oh, I can't run. Oh, I hate running. I'm not good at running. And they come in with all of these preconceived notions about whether they're good or bad at something, whether they can or can't do something. And before they even give themselves a chance to try, and maybe even just see where they're at. And especially as a coach, like if I'm just doing an assessment and I want to see where somebody is, if I immediately see them start going to a negative place mentally about that thing specifically, I know that it's actually a mental problem more than it is a physical problem. So if somebody immediately self-defeats about an exercise or something that I'm asking them to do, or they self-limit themselves in their belief system, as we're talking about doing you know, an assessment for somebody, then I know, okay, we have some mental barriers that we've got to overcome and we've got to start working on positive self-talk. And that difference is actually huge. When you start watching about the pace of development of a kid who comes in and has the mindset of, I can do until I'm proven wrong, they do a lot better and they progress a lot faster than the adult who thinks, 
I can't do, so I won't do, or I won't try. And so that mindset is very, very limiting. And uh, it reminds me of two very different kind of financial authors, very famous financial authors of Robert Kiyosaki and Dave Ramsey. You guys have probably read uh, one of the two of them. If you haven't, you should. Uh, they're, They're both fantastic authors. And they sit on two different ends of the spectrum, but they both have this idea or this concept that I really like from a mindset switch. And it's not immediately being dismissive on things and saying something like, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. Like, can you just be dismissive about something maybe that you really want? So let's say you want to, you know, start at a gym or you want to buy a car or you want to do these things. You know, they believe in asking a different question, which is, how can I afford that? Or how can I afford this? You know, what sacrifices, what things do I have to do? What person do I have to become to be able to afford that? And it's a totally different question. And that reframing is extremely, extremely powerful. It's, it's like, it's infinitely powerful. If you have the mindset of, I can't afford it. I just got to figure out how. And not just immediately dismissing things, just saying, oh, I can't afford that. And it's the same thing when it comes to exercise or nutrition or whatever, not being dismissive with saying, I can't, I, I just can't do that. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. You know, oh, I, you know, for me, it's like, oh, I hate vegetables. I can never eat. I can never eat healthy. You know, I can I, just because I hate vegetables. It's how can I get my vegetables in? And so it asks a different question. And then you start looking at the problem differently. So how can we adopt this mentality? And I look at this as a three-prong process. So first, we need to work on the skill of reframing. And so again, it's that that change into a question rather than a defeating statement or a statement that ends the possibility of it happening in the future. So you can take this to almost anything, but anything that puts a hard line on, I'll never do that. I'll never do this. I can't do this. That is a hard end stop. How instead can we reframe that into a question that gets us there in the future? So instead of, oh, I can't run, it's what do I need to do to get back into running? What do I need to do to get you know my knees healthier, my ankle healthier, my back healthy so that I can run? How can I get back to a place of running? What type of person do I need to become? Do I need to lose some weight? Do I need to work on my running form? Do I need to just start slow? And maybe I just run 25 meters at a time just to prove to myself that I can answer that question differently. Because if you say I can't run, it's like, really, you, you can't run. You can't run. So right now, if you know a bomb goes off and your kids are right next to you, I probably shouldn't say that on Facebook Live, but if, if that goes off and like your kids right next to you and you've got to pick them up and you've got to start running, you're telling me you can't do that. And so immediately you can just dismiss the, the mental game that you're sort of putting yourself in. And we need to reframe that to a better question. And so then we have to practice. And this is the reason that I love daily exercise is this is our practice. You get the opportunity every day to challenge yourself mentally and physically at the same time and work on reframing your mindset while you're in that stressful place. And so this is why exercise can be so much more than just the physical benefits is because you get the opportunity every single day Every day when you walk in to get to a place where you're like, man, this is hard. I don't know if I can do this. 
And then you switch your mindset and you start to work on your self-talk and you start to change the person that you are in your head, start to change the capabilities that you have a little bit every day by saying, how can I get this done? How can I do this? I know I can do this. I can get it done. It's just one foot in front of the other until I get to the finish line. I know I can do this. And we get those iterations. And that's what part three is, is iterations. And if you guys aren't familiar with the term iterations, what I think about with that is it's quality reps, right? How many quality reps do I have to do before this becomes a habit? And I will tell you that the rule of 10,000 hours is sort of really maybe the rule of 10,000 iterations of something, right? And so, you know, it's going to take you 10,000 good guitar practice sessions to get good at playing the guitar. It's going to take you 10,000 good workout sessions to get good at your positive mental talk. And so if you guys are in year one or year two of challenging yourself mentally and physically, it's a game of iterations. This is where people start talking about taking cold showers. That's an iteration. I get to get into an ice cold, freezing cold shower and your mind's like, oh my God, what are you doing? You can't do this. Why would you do this? This is so uncomfortable. And you get to work on reframing your mindset and having that little iteration every day. And we can do this all the time. All these little iterations. That's a, that's a tough uh, illiteracy there. Um, so that's, you know, that's just some of the huge, huge, huge benefits that we can derive from just some of our daily activities. And so these are little things. And every little decision is either going to be a positive iteration, a quality rep. So it's like, okay, I'm, my bedtime routine's coming up. And I can sit there and I can hang out on my cell phone and I can stay up a little bit later watching, you know, the 13th YouTube video in a row. Or I can pop that cell phone down. You know, I can take, you know, a a quick shower, do a little stretching session and get into bed a half hour earlier and have three positive iterations before I go to bed as opposed to zero. And so every day we get those little decisions and they accumulate, they add up over time and they're very, very, very powerful. So I like that this is sort of the idea behind how we adopt that mentality is every little thing has the opportunity to be an iteration of a positive quality rep for us. And I think working out is one that people can start by focusing there and start working on how they talk about how they communicate about the workout they're going to go and do that day. The nutrition, the things they're going to be eating is sort of that second phase, sleep, lifestyle, your relationships. How are you communicating with your husband and wife? How are you communicating with your kids? Those are all little positive iterations that we can have of mental reframing. So you come home, it's a long day and the kitchen's full of dishes and you're, you know, your wife's not going to be home for another hour, hour and a half. Let's just, just take our circumstance. Maria works a lot later than I do. Sometimes, sometimes I'll get home earlier. And if the kitchen's a mess, I have the option. I can mentally reframe. I can be like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe she left the kitchen mess. This is ridiculous. Like in, or I can reframe my mindset and say, what would be the best thing for both of us right now? Like, how could I make our nighttime routine better? And that quick question then leads you immediately into some answers. Like, and so we start kind of doing this and adopting this all throughout our lifestyle. It's going to make everything better. Everything gets better because of this. So this is why we're talking about it today. Now, the people who you surround yourself with is another great way to start thinking about this. And there's, these are the three things I think about when I look at this. 
how do you talk about other people when you're with them? Do you talk positively or do you talk negatively? And you guys have probably all been in or around a friend group that tends to like bash or gossip um, about people. And that's obviously going to lead you subconsciously to be more negative about yourself. That's going to lead you to be fearful of taking chances and fearful of trying things because you know that one of the things that people do is talk shit behind people's back because you're engaged with that. And so naturally then you become protective against that, you know, negative social implication of it. And so you start to distance yourself from opportunities that maybe would be a great step forward for you mentally or physically, just because of the people that you're associating with in the way that they talk about other people. The second piece is how do they talk about, uh, wait, did I say that? How do you talk about other people? Okay. And then how do they talk about other people around you? So those are sort of two different things, um, but making sure obviously that you're not the one leading, leading the gossip that way. And then the third one is kind of just thinking about the different ways in which people that, how they communicate about things and people around us. So if you're like, let's just take right now, let's say you guys are around people who are you know talking a lot about politics and they're very serious about this and they're very um, emotionally charged with things. That's going to make you feel more emotionally about certain things, whether it be them as people or the politicians that they're talking about or the society as a whole or whatever it is. So you're going to start feeling in an emotional way or maybe more negative towards something just because of the way that you're kind of communicating about others in the circles that you're in. So very important to start thinking about who we spend our time around. Now, when we start thinking about this, this is uh, an incredible statistic. I've actually seen this statistic about probably five different places uh, over the last few months. One of the books I was reading, maybe Ego is the Enemy, uh, I think quotes this first, uh, but this study is pretty popular and I actually don't disagree with it too much. So um, it says, according to our research uh, with thousands of people from all around the world, 95% of people believe that they are self-aware, but in reality, only 10 to 15% really are. And so I actually listened to a podcast uh, with the woman who ran this study and again, same thing. So she talks more because I want to know, like, how do you actually say, but only 10 to 15 percent really are. Um, and so I wanted to know sort of the questions that they do with that. It's actually pretty fascinating. I'll see if I can link that in the in the show notes for the podcast on this and on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Um but it's pretty fascinating to see how they sort of gauge this. And I'll link this, uh, the study so that you guys can read a little bit more in depth on it as well. But as we start thinking about that concept, if we are not self-aware, it starts to become really hard to even start thinking about how we might start working on our self-talk. Because I think the first step to working on your self-talk is being aware of your self-talk, right? So if we don't have good self-awareness, this is going to be a challenging first step for us. And so the question then becomes, how do we gain better self-awareness? How do we how do we grow this? And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next slide. But what we want to think about is I'm just going to share some common examples of people who kind of come in the doors of friendship. And I sit down, I do the consultations with them. And I've done this with, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 people over the last 10, 15 years. And I ask a lot of the same questions, right? And so I'm trying to get sort of a a general picture of who you are and where you are at when you start day one. And so I'll generally ask quite a bit about nutrition because nutrition is the most important things when it comes to health and fitness. And I want to know not only how you eat, but 
how do you think how you eat is like, do you think it's good or do you think it's okay? Or do you think it's bad? And let's start discussing what you think is good and what you think is bad. And I've had examples where people will be like, tell me a little bit. How do you think you eat? That's usually the way that I frame the question. How do you think you eat? And I'll get people that will be like, oh, you know, pretty good. And so I'm like, okay, like, give me a little bit about what's like, what's pretty good. Like, give me like, what do you, what do you have for breakfast this morning? Or what do you normally eat for breakfast? And I will get a wide, wide range of answers. And this is where you start to see it's a little bit of education and a little bit of self-awareness. So we'll get people who will answer the question saying, I eat really well. You know, this morning I had, you know, cereal and orange juice for breakfast. And, um, you know, then, then for lunch I had, you know, chicken salad. And then for, you know, dinner this evening, I had a sub. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's almost all bad, right? Almost all of that would be something that over a long term I would look to change. And, we're not, you know, we're not meeting our macros. We're not eating high quality foods. We're not getting a lot of high nutrient value. We're missing a ton of vitamins and minerals. We're probably not getting adequate protein. Like there's a million ways that you can take that conversation. But really what I want to know on day one is, are they aware of any of this? Because if they're not aware that any of that's bad, then we have to start from an education perspective before we start diving into like a self-awareness conversation. So it's very interesting. A lot of times also we'll get people talking about, um, you know, bar shakes and diets as if they are good things and each of them is going to come with good and bad right and so when we start to break down some of these things it's really interesting to see where people start to come in but what I will say is there is maybe only I would say a dozen maybe like a handful of people that have come in out of the 10 or 15,000 people that will come in and look at me and it's like how's your nutrition and they're like it's bad it's really bad, like really, really bad. I, I'm, I'm drinking soda. I'm smoking. I'm, you know, I'm doing nothing but eating carbs all day. Um, it's, it's not good, and I need to work on it. And they come in, and that statement, you're just like, oh, like okay, like now that person is open to any of the conversations that we're going to have, any of the changes we're going to make, any of the education we're going to give, anything like that. Like they're they're open because they're already at that place of self-awareness where they're like, no, it's bad and I need help. And we're going to talk about that again sort of on the next slide. But from that place, it's like an upward into the hard right, getting the camera shot up into the right in terms of progression because that person has already done the hardest part, which is gaining the self-awareness of the fact that they've sort of got a problem that we got to start working on. And what I put at the end there for the lifestyle parallel, and we'll take a second in, in a moment and talk about the fitness parallel, but um, what I find is people excuse the important things and they are harsh on the unimportant things. And so let's break that down a little bit. When we talk about things that are important, we talk about the nutrient value of our food. So we talk about, you know, how much are we getting? How much sustenance? How much real value are we getting from what we eat? And then we talk about sleep. And we talk about stress, right? And those are the three things that I deem as 98, maybe 99% of health and fitness are derived from those like three things. You add in a little bit of exercise and a little bit of maybe like, you know, I, I put hydration under nutrition, but that's, that's the general picture, right? But what I find is people are really easy to excuse 
you know, the important thing. So when we start thinking about that, it's like, okay, well, we're easy. We're really quick to excuse liking beer and liking pizza and not working on our nutrition. We're really quick to excuse only sleeping five or six hours because of whatever. And, you know, we're, we don't even think about stress and we don't even think about how we're mitigating stress. And we probably don't even talk about it. We're not even self-aware enough. So we excuse all of those things and we write them off as unimportant. And instead, we're super harsh on the unimportant things. So we like kill ourselves if we miss a workout or we're like hyper. Like when we start working on nutrition, people are like nutty when they miss like a day of macros by like five percent or 20 percent or whatever. Or they're crazy about like five pounds on the scale. And we're so harsh on these things that just don't matter at all. Like if you miss a workout, who cares? It doesn't move the needle if you don't care about how you slept that day, how you ate that day, how much water you're drinking, and if you're stressed or not. And so that little phrase has got to be flipped. Like we've got to start being self-aware of the fact that maybe we're taking it really hard on ourselves on stuff that doesn't matter. And maybe we are excusing things that we shouldn't be. And that's a lot of what we see when we start looking at like, you know, brand new people coming in or this, honestly, this is true for people who've been around, um, you know, our, our gym and inside of a culture that, you know, sort of adopts this, uh, for even five, six, seven, eight, nine years is, you know, there's still sort of in that position where we're writing off things that are, that are really important and not paying attention to, um, you know, the things that we should be. So, uh, real quick to jump back on the fitness parallel. Um, you know, what I find is, you know, women are traditionally pretty self-aware when it comes to diet and um, are maybe overly harsh on themselves when it comes to exercise. And so we get a lot of, you know, I was really good with working out before I had kids and now I'm not, I'm not doing very well. And they're really, really hard on themselves for, you know, through what I would consider to be a pretty stressful time. And we have to work on maybe that more positive, um, you know, self-talk in terms of, you know, what, what are the positives? What are the things that you really have done very well of? Um, and a lot of times it's usually not quite as bad as maybe people think. And so, you know, from a fitness perspective, women are traditionally very hard on themselves. And as a result of that, their self-perception or their self-talk is overly negative. So, you know, they don't have a lot of belief in their capabilities, you know, specifically with like weightlifting. And they talk down on themselves a lot with like gymnastics. And in reality, um, you know, those are all things that are progress. Every, every single person who comes in has to work on those things. It's not, that's not unique by any means. It's not like a, you know, a product of what you did or didn't do. Um, it just sort of is. And so it's not really anything that we need to be hard on ourselves for. Uh, we just need to maybe be self-aware of the fact that like, we've got to work on that self-talk. We talked about the first slide in terms of like, okay, I've never deadlifted before. So why would I be hard on myself for something I've never done before? You know, I'm excited at the opportunity that, you know, getting better at deadlifting is going to give me. It's going to make me a stronger, more capable person. It's going to help my posture. It's going to help my, you know, butt and hamstrings and all those things. Like it's going to, it's going to help my body overall. So a lot of great opportunity there for us. Now, we start thinking about men, um, it's almost self-awareness is maybe lacking on more of like the ego side. So we'll get a lot of people I actually had a guy come in the other day and, um, he was talking about high school and he was talking about how, you know, he's a two sport athlete and, you know, lifted a lot in, in the military and in high school. And, you know, he's 54 years old 
And this is not uncommon. This is something where we'll get a lot of um, you know, maybe a little bit out of touch with reality in terms of the fact that it has been 30 years. And so we, we carry maybe a little bit of, um, you know, ego. And as a result of that, you know, and I think a lot of it is, again, it's sort of that macho, like it, just like for me, you know, or like macho for guys to say, I don't know anything about cars. I know nothing about it, um, you know, and and so you go and like there's like this weird macho like, oh, guys are supposed to know about cars. And if you don't know about cars, like you're not a man. And, that, you know, it's it that's just a little bit of like a, an ego thing that um, we all have to work on a little bit. And so I think a lot of times when guys come in, they have a hard time maybe um, just professing the fact that they maybe do need or could use some education or help in terms of knowing what exercises are knowing how to exercise they've never been formally trained and um and so a little bit different ends there uh guys were typically battling the ego more they have a a belief that they can do all the weight that they did when they were in high school even though it's been 30 years and women don't have a lot of belief in themselves and typically will be battling a little bit more negative self-talk and so we're going to talk a little bit about different ways that we can um, start to work on some of this on the next slide. So how we can gain self-awareness. So um, I'm going to walk you guys through the the path that I took and, uh, you know, the path that I think is is openly available for everybody. It typically is free from a financial standpoint or very inexpensive from a financial standpoint, but it's very expensive in terms of a time standpoint. And so this is always the battle back and forth that we are trading is time versus money um, value basically is what we're talking about. And so if you're younger and you're somebody who has a lot of time, but not a lot of money, just like I was when I was 24, 25, and I started down, um, you know, the path of starting gyms and, you know, coaching different varieties of people outside of the military folks that I was used to, which is a very, you know, subset of person. So it's typically, I was infantry, so it's all male and it's all pretty young and it's all pretty fit. And so you take that out and now I've got to start worrying, you know, worrying about different age ranges, you know, different genders, um, different training ages, things like that. So when I started on this, I had a lot of time and I had no money. And so it was self-education was sort of my only path. I couldn't go out and hire a coach. I couldn't go out and let somebody else make the mistakes for me and learn from them. Uh, so I had to go through sort of my own self-education journey. And so what we want with this, and I'm going to use nutrition as my main example here, is when we start our self-education on nutrition, the reason is number one, awareness, and number two, confidence. And so these are the two things we're trying to gain from education is awareness and confidence. And what we need is a variety of resources. So we can't just say, I'm going to read this one book and know everything about nutrition because just like anything, nutrition, exercise, religion, politics, everything, everything that you read has a bias to it. Everything that you read has some angle that they're trying to push, even textbooks, even, even something, you know, that maybe, you know, university is going to be putting out, um, is still going to have a specific angle that it is trying to push or take. And so we need to not just read one resource, but we need to read a variety. And so from a nutrition standpoint, we might read stuff on the quality of food. So we might read about diets specifically. So you might read, you know, Rob Wolf or Mark's Daily Apple, read those, you know, some paleo resources. 
you might start looking at the keto diet and start looking about, you know, what is a fat based diet going to look like and, and why do we want to do that? What are the health benefits? What are the, um, you know, what are the things that are lacking from it? And then you're going to maybe read a carb centric diet um, and start reading all of these different schools of thoughts. And we want to start gaining, a, you know, different insights into different studies and different research topics that are providing light into each domain. From two different reasons. One, because you're not necessarily going to know who you are or what you need until you get maybe to your fifth or sixth resource or your 10th resource or your 20th resource. If you're looking to help other people, there's always going to be a person comes in because people are huge variables who are going to challenge you and be something that you've never worked with before. So, you know, for me, I, I remember it was the first time I worked with somebody with celiac disease. And so I had to do a lot of research into gluten intolerances and gut health. And so that's a whole new end of books to read. And there's books like uh, The Wheat Belly and Gut. Uh, I'm going to forget what that one's called. They're really good books, though. Um, and so you start diving into all these different resources. Then we're going to start looking into the quantity. So we're going to start reading The Zone Diet. We're going to start reading Weight Watch or looking into Weight Watchers resources. We're going to start looking into if it fits my macros or, um, you know, some generalistic views of performance versus health and what, how do we tweak and move macros based off of what the person's goals are. And after all of that, you're going to have this big, wide breadth of knowledge and you're going to be able to talk specifically on, you know, based on the way the person likes to eat. So maybe, maybe they love meat and hate vegetables. Maybe you're going to talk to them about the carnivore diet or the ketogenic diet. If they love vegetables and they're a vegan and they're, you know, all these other things, you're going to have to start maybe looking at, okay, well, I know vegans are going to need, you know, this set of amino acids and omega threes and sixes. And so we're going to need to start looking at making sure that they're either supplementing their diet appropriately, or they're getting these specific types of proteins and fats. And so you're going to start to gain this wide breadth of knowledge. Then what you need to think about is how can I consolidate my beliefs inside of that wide breadth of knowledge that I just gained? and start to adjust your decisions based off of those beliefs. And so every little day we have a nutrition decision and you might start to really agree with, um, you know, the you, after all those resources you read, you might think, you know, hey, look, paleo zone hammers on perfect quality and perfect, um, you know, quantity of foods. So this is going to be my nutritional choice. And that is sort of the boat that I'm going to start to be in. And, you know, I'm going to give myself, you know, a 10%, you know, compliance zone. And all of a sudden you're self-educated because, you know, you've, you've read 20, 25 books, you've listened to 50 podcasts, um, you know, and you've done all of that on your own. And that typically is a great way to gain a lot of confidence and to become self-aware because every single time you read something, every single time you listen to something, you're going to be thinking about your own decisions. You know, if you read a bunch of paleo stuff and you go home and you eat all bread, you're going to be thinking about that decision. That's just the way that it works. And so all of your decisions are going to be questioned through your own self-education. 
And there's Blitz. She's back in the podcast. She's very excited about that. Now, the second piece here, what we can do is we can look at hiring an expert. And so, again, this is something that we're going to let somebody else go through that whole process for us. We're going to let somebody else read 20 or 25 books. We're going to let somebody else listen to 50 podcasts. Um, you know, on average, from a health and fitness perspective, I'm listening to somewhere between five and seven hours of, of podcasts a week. And typically, I'm always reading a book at least, you know, some degree of once a month or you know, that might be journals or articles or something along those lines. Um, but I have dedicated set out time for me to be doing market research um, and, you know, sort of continuing education on top of anything official that I'm doing. And so, again, that's that's what you're paying for. And same thing. When you start to look at Andy, Andy is, and, and Kaylee are registered dietitians with the state. They have to continue to complete continuing education credits. Same thing with Jenny from a physical therapist standpoint. She has to complete continuing education credits to continue to keep her license. Um, you know, there's certain levels of of fitness certifications, again, where you have to continue to do that. Brian has to go through that for different certifications that we have. We put implications on coaches from a continuing education perspective as well. So you're paying somebody else to go through that self-education process, to read the books, to listen to the podcast, to take the interest at heart, and then be able to listen to your story, cut through all the bullshit and give you the answer. And you know that's at the end of the day, sort of what we're looking for. So if you aren't worried about the self-education standpoint, then it's the same thing. Like, if you start looking at going to school, why do you want to go to school? So let's say you owned a business and you could go back into four-year university right now to learn finance, right? To learn how to do, you know, business finances, bookkeeping, taxes, and become a CPA. So you could go back to school and do that, or you could just hire a CPA, like at the end, why would you go back to school when you can just take somebody who that's what they do for a living? They're going to go through. They're going to read the new tax code. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the tax code that that for those of you CPAs who do that. God love you guys. I mean, that's reading tax code is miserable work. Um but they've, they've taken a passion in that and that's what they're going to do. They're going to listen to CPA podcasts. They're going to run you know a CPA business. And so you pay for their expertise. They're going to keep up on it and they're going to know all the information so that you can tell them all your problems from a taxation perspective. They can cut through the bullshit and they can give you exactly what you need to know. And they're going to be able to listen and just say, okay, you've got this, this, and this. Here's what we need to do. You need to be you know doing quarterly payments here. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And they can advise you. And you know, those people have made mistakes. And just like from a fitness perspective, like when I first started, I made a lot of mistakes running a gym. And a lot of like the the glaring ones for me was I used to do a lot of nutrition stuff from a group perspective. And so I would you'd provide a prescription to the group and the group would sort of all follow along this for something like a paleo challenge. And people would do really, really well, but you weren't able to have the one-on-one conversations that are necessary for something as personal as nutrition to start talking about real tangible habit change and how people are going to be coming out of the challenge to continue that success and maybe getting rid of the things that they were not successful with and adding things in in place of that. And that's sort of the consultative process. So that was a mistake that I made. And now we do all of our nutrition in a one-on-one setting with a private coach and we start hammering on real tangible habit changes. And so all of those mistakes have already been made by the experts. And you know, you want somebody who's helped hundreds or thousands of people execute on those mistakes. And this is where referrals are huge. So if you're looking for a CPA, can you Google it? 
Certainly. Should you probably ask for some referrals, ask for somebody who's in your line of business, ask for somebody who's in your industry, who has worked with them, who has seen success and been very happy with their product? Yes, absolutely. You should. And so, you know, these are the things that are extremely important. We start thinking about how do we build self-awareness? How do we gain that? Well, we can go through the education and in that process, you will learn a lot about your own decision making process. You'll learn a lot about yourself or we can hire somebody to tell us you're not very good at nutrition. Like, and that's it. Like, think about the differences between those two. And then what's more valuable to you? Do you want the knowledge? Do you want to know why? Are you super analytical? Do you enjoy knowing those things? Or do you just want the answer? And if you just want the answer, you just want the self-educate or sorry, if you just want the self-awareness, then hire an expert, find somebody who comes with a lot of good referrals and look at them and say, I need help. Help me. Here's my problem. Give me the answer. And then this is the this is the key part. This is the crazy part is do what the expert says to do. Like don't hire an accountant. Don't hire a lawyer. And then when they give you advice, you go, ah, ah. I don't need to do, I'm not going to do that. You know, my lawyer told me not to talk to the police, but you know what? Like I was just kind of feeling talkative. I was just kind of like, you know, and so anyway, we got on the topic of the crime and, um, you know, I guess I, I guess I sort of like in a weird roundabout way kind of confessed to it. So I probably should have listened, just listened to my lawyer. So like it, this is, this is the crazy one is you get people who will come in they will go through, they'll hire the expert. They'll, they'll you know, they'll, they'll look at somebody in the, the coach or the nutrition coach or the physical therapist is saying, okay, like here's the, here's the problem, right? Is our problem might be self-awareness, might be education, might be this, might be that. Here's, here's the issue. You know, you don't know what proteins are. So here's a list of all the proteins. Here's the things that I want you to be looking at. Here's three options for breakfast. Here's three options for lunch. Here's three options for dinner. I need you to find at least one of these options into every meal that you're going to be eating for the day. So it's both education, action, and execution. Now that help hiring the expert is only as good as if you go and do that. If you take the actions on those things, if you don't do that, you're wasting your time and you're not self-aware of the fact that you're not even self-aware of why you hired an expert in the first place. You're not self-aware probably of your problem in, in entirety. And so that's typically where we have to start thinking about um, you know, starting. So these are the two ways that we gain self-awareness. The last way, is to be lucky enough to surround yourself with people who display the habits that you aspire to as the norm in their life. And so what I mean by that is if you want to be somebody who is exceptionally fit and healthy, then you need to spend time around your family needs to be the workers that you associate with. The people that you spend your time around every day need to be people who adopt healthy lifestyle habits. It's going to be extremely hard. And I would honestly probably argue almost impossible if the 10 closest people in your life are smokers, drinkers, they eat pizza all day, they eat cereal for breakfast and they eat pizza for dinner and that's it. And they don't sleep well and they don't take care of themselves. I truly believe that you have an uphill battle. I almost would say it's impossible, but I could obviously be proven wrong um, that you will be able to make a positive, tangible life change from a healthy standpoint until you make some adjustments inside of those other people, whether that be helping them or moving away from them in terms of your time. 
And then, you know, the same thing as we start thinking about when we start talking about the norm, you know, again, same thing. If you want to be an educated person, you need to spend time around people who are smarter than you, who know more than you, um, you know, specifically in topics. So if you want to be somebody who's more intelligent, you need to spend time around people who are reading as a normal piece of their life. So every morning they wake up and they're reading. And if you want to be somebody who's smarter, who's more informed, who's more intellectual, who has a you know a wider breadth of knowledge, and everybody that you hang out around, you know, watches Netflix with their spare time, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it's going to be really hard for you to grow and learn and educate yourself, um, you know, because you're not getting a lot of book recommendations from people. You're not getting a lot of educational resources from people. You're getting a lot of, you know, oh, we just finished The Crown and it was awesome. And now The Crown is pretty educational, right? So let me stop on that, right? This is a pretty good show. And it comes with a little historical fact on that. So if you guys haven't watched it and Hans Zimmer, I mean, come on, the music's incredible. Um, but, you know, those are the things that we just have to start thinking about. If it's something that we aspire to. So let's say, you know, let's take our, take our example that we've been using a little bit for these friendship shows. Let's say you go to your doctor and you get diagnosed with uh, diabetes or pre-diabetic and, you know, you show up and, you know, you're, you're obese on the scale. Um, you know, so your, your BMI is above 35, um, your body fat percentage is above 40 and that's where we're at. Well, then our, our next step would either be beginning self-education, hiring an expert, and then looking at the people who we associate with in our lives. And are those people people who are enabling us or are they helping us with our self-awareness? So a good example of that is if you're going to sit down and eat a really unhealthy meal and everybody around you knows that you are you just got diagnosed with diabetes and that it's really weighing on you and you want to start losing weight and you want to start adopting healthy lifestyle habits and you're choosing where you want to go out to eat and they say let's go to the olive garden then that's a little bit of the issue right is they're not only not helping you with your self-awareness, but they're also involved with decision-making processes that are actually leading you down the path of potentially being less successful. And so these are the things that we kind of think about. So I do believe it takes a community. I, th- I always think it takes a team. And I think a part of that team should always be people who love and care about you and want the best for you and truly want the best for you. Don't, you know, don't just like, we're not, you know, the fun friends. It's, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, Ben Affleck and goodwill hunting. It's like, you know, look, I'm going to keep doing this with you, but my ultimate dream for you is to not be here anymore. Uh, My ultimate dream for you is to make this life change that you should make. And you need to know that for me. And so uh, that's, I think we're going to wrap up. I don't think we have any more, yeah, any more slides. So you know, these are the things, uh, this is sort of our, our self-awareness playbook, right? Is the, we have two options in terms of how we come across the information. And then it comes down to what is our team and what is our community that is actually going to help us implement those changes. And I hope that each of you guys has a team, uh, that cares about you and loves you and, you know, if you guys don't have uh, that team yet, that's okay. A lot of people started and a lot of people have had success without that when they started. But that's where we need to start looking at having those tough conversations with people and just being real honest and just saying, look, I want to make a life change. I I want to be somebody who is happy and healthy. I don't want to take antidepressants. I don't want to be on insulin. I don't want to be in these in in this world for the rest of my life. I want to start being somebody who makes a change and just tell that to people. And you'd be shocking how people will react to that so positively. 
positively and they will want to help you because like we talked about first, most people just don't have the self-awareness or the confidence um, to come out and say that to somebody, to come out and say like, I want to be better and I need help. And that's really hard for people. Um, and if you can do it, it's a superpower. You have absolutely no limitations. Um, and so I hope this was really helpful for some of you guys. I know that this is something that we're all still working on. And this is something um, you know that I've sort of put together to, to try to help me when I'm struggling with confidence in a new arena or when I'm struggling with self-awareness. And so you know, this is a great thing that Naval talks about all the time is you know the shortcut or the hack to life is hiring the absolute best coach in an arena to work with you individually for like the first, you know, month and asking them all the time, like, what are the fundamentals that I need to do like a 10,000 iterations of to get this down? So if you want to learn how to play guitar, seek out the best guitar coach and they're going to be expensive, right? Because they're the best and seek them out and then say, I want to learn the fundamentals from you. And I want to know if I did one thing every day and to be successful at playing the guitar, what would it be? Ask that question and then surround yourself with people who force you or who are really putting a lot of pressure on you to do that habit every single day and who are, you know, hey, we can't hang out until you get this done. Or, I, you know, you did you play your guitar today? Did you do what we said we were going to do? And they're holding you accountable to it. And if you do those things, you will be able to pick up whatever you want. You can learn new languages. You can learn new instruments. You can pick up new hobbies. You can learn a new career, anything. You can be super successful. Um, but it takes that ego to take it down and to say, look, I don't know anything about cars and I want to learn about cars. Can you teach me? Where should I start? What should be the things I do first? And, um, you know, and, and just go and lean into that expert. So, uh, thank you guys very much for watching. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great week. Go Browns. We're going to beat the Colts today. It's going to be incredible. And then there's going to be all this Super Bowl conversation for all you non-Browns fans, all you haters out there. Uh, you know, just let us let us have some positivity here, guys. All right. We've had a lot of negativity over the years. Uh, you know, don't be such haters. Don't be such put downers. You know, just be like, hey, I'm really happy for you guys. It's OK to say it's not a bad thing. You know, hey, I'm really happy for you guys it's seeing some success after 25 years. That's OK. It's all right. You know, support us. See you guys. Have a great Sunday.